Hi there, church family. It's good to be with you today for the sermon recap that we try to do each week. Comes out on Wednesdays. Just a, I don't know if I'd say a summary, but it's going over the message from this past Sunday. Four of us talking about it together, uh, where they can fix up anything that I messed up, and so that's the goal each week uh, as we gather. Uh, we're in a series that this was the second week of the series, looking at generosity. Uh, God's generosity to us as man, uh, as humans in creation. And so the first week we spent time looking at that in creation, how God created everything, and then he told us to subdue it, have dominion over it, and that it was there for us to eat of and to and to take care of. And so we, we, just, we talked a lot about that. I don't want to rehash that necessarily again. And this week we were at answering the question, like, what was the human's response to God's generosity? How did we how did we and how do we respond to the generosity of God that he has shown? And so we went to Genesis chapter three after the creation narrative to see what happened. And what we see there in Genesis chapter three is we see that uh, there's a serpent that it said is crafty and starts to question God's generosity to Eve, but it says Adam is standing by. Uh and asking them questions, and Adam, and then Eve is answering the question, and she doesn't do the best at answering it. She gets it like half right and half wrong, which isn't a good thing, and it eventually leads uh, Adam and Eve to sinning, eating of the tree that they were told not to eat of because they were told they could be like God, not just made in his image, but they could be like him at that point. And so what you really have there is you have a denial of the generosity of, of God. And, and so we... We walk through that, and I don't mind doing that again. If that's what you guys here would like, would like to do, <clears throat> um, but that that really is was the big point. The message I want to see is the importance of keeping focused on the fact that God is generous, and the Bible tells us that God is generous. The Bible tells us that God wants good for His children, not bad for His children. Wants good for His children, and too often I think we start to think other things. We start to think that God doesn't want good for me. He does want. I think He wants bad for me. And that's not true. And when we start to think that way, though, we start to do things on our own. We start to uh, try to uh, obtain or whatever uh, through our own means, our own purposes. And that then in turn starts to make us doubt God even even more. And usually leads, leads to sin. It leads to hurt. It leads to uh, shame and, and great frustration. Uh, and so, I mean, the most... the most obvious place to go was the beginning and that's why we that's why we did that in Genesis chapter 3 verse 1 through 7 as we walk through that this week you you guys I know you guys know a lot about Genesis chapter 3 it's a very important turning point uh, in the in the Bible as I had mentioned Sunday without Genesis chapter 3 the Bible just doesn't make sense right there you got to have that you got to read that you got to know that to understand what in the world is what what is going on here um, it's not the part of the of the book when you'd want to go to the bathroom, right? Like like in movies, you're trying to figure out when you're watching a movie, okay, it's safe to go now. You're not going to really miss anything. You'd miss a lot in, in that one, right? So Genesis 3, verse 1 through 7, as we talked about, what your guys' takeaway, uh, things you guys might want to share, maybe it's something specific I said in the message that you would want to uh, talk about or discuss, which would be fine, or, or just in general uh, at all. Anything from Genesis 3. Verses 1 to 7. We'll probably get to the rest of it next week when we look at Christ. Anything? I was just going to say, I think that looking at it 
uh, I've never looked at this passage with a specific lens of thinking about God's generosity, how this is questioning his generosity. Mm-hmm. Looking, I've looked at it before of like a lack of faith, of belief in God or trusting God, but they really are the, the same thing. Mm-hmm. And you just see Eve uh, doing that in, in multiple ways of questioning, like, I really, I deserve more than this, right? God um, God only gave me this, but is keeping this for me. I, I deserve to have this, right? Um, Satan calling into question that, you know, basically accusing God of selfishness, keeping something away from you because he wants it and not for you or something. And, uh, but looking at that and, uh, and thinking it, thinking through that lens in terms of God's uh, generosity and our selfishness or just questioning God's generosity towards us as a, as an, as a fruit of, of our selfish hearts, mm-hmm. I thought was really helpful mm-hmm. and good to think through. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kind of along that, uh, one thing that kind of stood out to me was I never really thought about it like this way. Cause if you kind of look at kind of the bigger kind of zoom back a little bit, you'll see God's command, his create creation command to subdue, right? All that God has given them to be curates, if you will, of God's creation, Adam and Eve, kind of king and queen of, of God's creation as image bearers. And yet, this, as Satan took on, and I know you mentioned like there, there, there's volumes of books that have been written on, okay, symbolic, you know, versus literal, all that, you know, as far as the serpent, but we know it was, it was Satan, clearly, but how he took on the craftiness which I thought was really kind of neat how you brought that in. He took on the craftiness of the serpent and he slithered himself in and got Eve to question, both Eve and Adam to question God's authority, his create his creation, really. And I thought that was it was really helpful. It's like, yeah, because he God had given them a specific command to be over creation, to subdue it. And here's Satan taking something that that is good that God has created, such as an, a serpent, an animal, and using it for bad. Mm-hmm. And one of the things I was thinking about, you mentioned about dreams, and I and I agree as far as people that are looking in, in themselves rather than looking out to Christ, you know, to try to find. Um, I do think it's good to have dreams. I think it's important. I think God places dreams in our heart. He says, you know, uh, you know, He can do measurably more than all we can ask or imagine, right? According to His purpose, Ephesians three twenty. But what Satan does is he twists it, and he takes something that's good, like having a a dream or a vision, you know, for for how God wants us to live our lives, and he twists it, and then it becomes something that's inward, like I can do this, like I am the creator of the creator of my own destiny. Right. And I think that that is exactly what we see. That's, that's the drama that's being played out within Genesis chapter three, questioning God's goodness, his creation, our potential that he's made us as image bearers to make it about ourselves rather than him, you know, and all of that. We are called to, to create just like God is a creator as image bearers. But again, Satan twists it and we start creating things that are not good that are based on ourselves to make us feel better rather than on what God's entrusted us with. So that whole idea of stewardship and entrustment and creation kind of all tied in in Genesis 3, which I think is, there's so much there and you could spend probably weeks just on that, right? You Mm -hmm, know, mm -hmm. so it was good. Yeah. I don't know if any of the commentaries um, touched on this or not, but I was was curious if you had read anywhere about how the woman um, was able to speak in parcel tongue. 
Why is that? I didn't know if you... Do you know what that is? No. Like a snake? <laughs> I love that. Yeah, I mean, is there? <laughs> it, was that in the commentaries anywhere? It's Harry or? Potter. <laughs> oh, I didn't know what Harry it was Potter. either. Hush, my God. Oh, that's, that's creepy. <laughs> when I heard, I'm like... Yeah, that's... Okay, oh you gotta stop right now. You're kidding me out. <laughs> oh, man. I didn't know. Practicing is that... What, so was she, was she partial tongue? <laughs> Sometimes I hate being a part of this. Was she partial tongue or not? I, I didn't know. I, I like this conversation. Partial? Like this. UPS partial? This is, this is the birth of Slytherin. <laughs> yeah, that's creepy. Oh, yeah. And we wonder why evil is associated with that, right? Right. Hello. right. <laughs> are, you, are you done with that? Or? <laughs> That was more. that was a good addition, Spencer. Thank you. I've it been. Was, I was curious. I mean, if you've ever seen Harry Potter, you know that Anaconda. Um, what's the snake's name? Uh, Nia. What the uh, Maya. No, the snake. Hopefully, name, uh, Voldemort snake. It I'm trying to remember it begins with an N. Oh, you it? guys don't know. Okay, no more Harry Potter talk because you aren't real fans. Mm-hmm. Oh, Voldemort's snake. There's so many people listening that are right now. They're like, you don't know this. Mm-hmm. At the end, though, so his, many. Its head gets cut off too. <laughs> By Neville. By Neville Longbottom. With the sword of Gryffindor. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Tim is embarrassed to be in this room. There's right a now. lot of Christian imagery in Harry Potter, actually. There's Christian imagery in everything. Mm-hmm. Amen. Everything. Every story you can relate to Christian imagery in some way, shape, or form. Everything. Some are better than others, though. Okay. You can. Have you ever watched all the Harry Potters? I've watched most of them, but I don't remember any of them. But I remember. It's time I to rewatch them. I mean, I shouldn't say I don't remember them. I don't it's remember them like you guys do. I don't remember yeah. the names and the uh, words they use to speak parcel or whatever you just said. I don't know that stuff. <laughs> parcel tongue. <laughs> I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, okay. Mm. Never mind. Go ahead, though. Nagini. 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 <laughs> Come, Nagini. There's a Horcrux. I mean, we could really do what we want from here on out. Nobody's Harry listening. Harry Potter. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> we get by. Just exit, Tim. Sorry. I like <laughs> doing that like voice. Guy. I'm, I'm not a big Potter fan, no. Oh, man. Oh. I've, I've been to the place where she wrote the books. Yeah. Henry told me that. That's cool. I mean, I, she's very creative. She's a great writer, but I'm not a huge. She really is the Charles Dickens of our age. Mm. Wow. Yeah, really is. Okay, go ahead, Tim. <laughs> they, they all had something to say on Genesis 3 and it was your turn and that's what you said. <laughs> that's what I did. Took it a whole different direction. I brought up Nagini. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> well, you're tying in that the snake, the serpent still repre- is is very still very representative in our day and age with as far as evil. There right? you go. What are your guys' takes on Eve lying? Eve's response, okay? I don't know what language she spoke, Spencer. Okay. Um, but Eve is, answers Satan because Satan says, did God really say you couldn't eat of any tree? Which is a just a blatant lie, right? Because mm-hmm. that wasn't the case. God said eat of every tree except for this one. So it was all the trees, right? Eve's response starts off good. Well, God said that we could eat of the trees, right? But there was one, she said, that we could not eat. But she also adds to it we could not touch. What do you guys think? There were people who wrote that was the first sin. Not the eating. There are some commentators who would have would try to argue for that. I mean, I could see why they would say that. Um, I'm not going to be dogmatic on it. Yeah. Um, but I could I could see the point um, that we uh, because the first thing that Satan 
the serpent does is he focuses us away from God's generosity to the one thing that God had forbidden them and zooms in on that and therefore is intimating that God is therefore ungenerous because of the one thing that he has uh, forbidden them. And so what's the danger of doing what Eve does? What's the danger in that? You, she, she further um, made God even more ungenerous yeah. in, in her mind than what... In her mind. Right. She, she, she actually um, adjusted uh, and added to the commandment that God had given um, as if that... And, and she kind of like uh, starts to uh, assume the, uh, the Satan's... Um, uh, attack on God's character, even in the way she's replying then. And I think this is one of that, that dangers, right? We see today where some denominations, some religions have uh, words that are equal to the Bible, um, whether it's, you know, the Pope or rabbis or whatever, mm-hmm. where they have other things that are equal. And all it does, all those books do, all those things do is take away from God's generosity often. They're adding more law, right. adding more rule. That God didn't add, that God, you know, I, that was never said, you know. And so you think about, like, with the Pharisees and stuff, all the tithing that they did mm-hmm. of everything all the time, you know, and just all this extra weight. And, yeah, someone can look at that and be like, that God is, God is crazy. Yeah, all this stuff. And it's like, God never actually said that. God right. never actually commanded that. And that's what's happening here with Eve, as we talked about in the in the message. I think it, I can't, I think it was Chad Bird who was saying, the problem with reading multiple books but uh how he was he was just writing you know they could they could swing in the limbs of it they could bask under the shade of it you know they they could they really got to enjoy all the aspects of that tree mm-hmm. except for the fruit don't eat it that's it not don't touch it don't eat it you know um and she, yeah she's fallen into that trap willingly of satan to to lie. Now, there's some people I think who would look at that though and say, "That's actually okay though, because it's probably wise not to touch it if you can't eat it. That way, you're avoiding the the eating it, right?" What would you guys hmm. say to that? I think that's. I mean, I I, I can see that because, I mean, and I, obviously that's in the scriptures for a reason. That you know, the spirit of God put that there. Um, through Moses and I think that's an accurate thing like she was adding on to it but I could see where you know the the touching of it could be an allurement to be like oh you know I'm feeling it and it oh it just looks so good it's like that yeah. you know that draw mm-hmm. if you will I could but, see that but again that's her own law right yeah and that's the danger right it's like I've heard I've heard preachers say before uh, you just shouldn't have a phone mm-hmm <laughs> And people feel all guilty because they're sitting in the pews and they have a phone, mm-hmm. right? You shouldn't have a TV, TV in your yeah. house, right? You shouldn't watch movies. Shouldn't listen to rock music. I mean, whatever. It's mm-hmm. gone through different stages, I'm sure, over time. And these are warnings, these great big warnings that there might be some wisdom in it to help avoid temptation. But what that becomes oftentimes is law. Mm-hmm. And it gets equated, this is what God says. And so... You know, the kid who goes to a friend's house and watches some TV all of a sudden is just riddled with guilt <laughs> because well, we're not supposed to watch TV. It's like, well, what do you mean? Well, that's what I've learned. 
See, there's mm-hmm. this addition to the law that's just not true, and it takes away from the generosity of God. There's a lot of good things that can come from TV, that could come from a phone, that can come mm-hmm. from a movie or a book or whatever whatever mm-hmm. the case might be. Mm-hmm. And what we start to do is we start to distort the word of God, and in doing that, we distort who God is in the eyes of people or in the eyes of our own imagination, right, and who, who we think God mm-hmm. is. And you just have to, we're not allowed to do that, you know. Uh, the Bible tells us we do not add anything, and we do not take anything away from this book. And sadly, I think too often we do that. And I don't, I don't necessarily think we have bad intentions when we do it all the time. We just do it. And it can lead to uh, some difficult things down the road. Mm-hmm. Yeah, because eventually what can happen too, in our case at least, I don't know what Eve's case was, um, but we can in, in adjusting the law see the pharisees did that because they thought that they could protect themselves mm-hmm. and so it's ultimately a trust in myself um at least that can be i'll say at the very least at least that can be one motivation why we do that is we are trying to trust ourselves to protect ourselves to keep ourselves secure from some perceived danger when actually and what we're also saying in some ways is, is we know better than God. If God had really thought about my security mm-hmm. or if God had really thought about this, he would have given this command just like I am. And the reality is, is he hasn't. Um, and so there's also a, a selfish and idolatrous trust in self that can be behind this as well. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And what you see happen when there's a, there's, there's a clear difference between making a suggestion or I don't know, giving however you want to say it, like giving yourself a, a policy of just wisdom and prudence that we probably all have, you know, in our own lives. Mm-hmm. But when you start to teach that and command that to others as a law, right? Is that's what we're talking about is making this the rule or like the Pharisees are a great example that, you know, having all of these other rules just to follow one rule um, is maybe started from a place of a good intention and and wisdom, like we would say. It's like it's not good for a teenage boy to be alone for several hours late at night with unfiltered access to the Internet. Like that's probably not a good situation to be in, right? But to say that to provide that is, is a sin it, or that, you know, having a phone after a certain hour at night or going to watch a certain movie or – whatever to say that that's sinful that that goes way beyond you know what we've actually been given and so yeah when we take those matters of prudence and wisdom and we turn those into laws then yeah that you you have a problem with yeah that. before we start recording we were having a conversation kind of in this line of like what makes a faithful church what makes a faithful church member and churches can get to the point where you're adding more law than the mm-hmm. bible of what makes a faithful church church member right mm-hmm. uh you weren't at the uh Pulled pork event. You're not a very good member. Mm-hmm. What? Where's it? You know, where's it? Talk about that. You know, mm-hmm. just you can. It's easy. It's easy to do. And uh, I think we all fall into that trap at yeah. times, just like Eve did. And we're just kind of following her example, aren't we? <laughs> uh, still today. Um, mm-hmm. But when Adam and Eve sin, they they eat of that. Uh, again, God's generosity is questioned. Eve adds to the law of God. Uh, Satan then questions God's character saying, he's, he's holding something back from you. You're not going to die. It's, it's that you're going to be like him. You're going to know good and evil. That's what he's doing, right? Again, God doesn't really care for you. God doesn't have good things for you, even though all the evidence is to the contrary in their life up to this point. That gets in there. 
And so then Adam and Eve take their selfishness and they become inward focused and they start to think of themselves and they partake and they eat. And what happens when this, when, when they eat of it and this inward focus, what happens now is they all of a sudden have shame, they have guilt, and in the end they have destruction. There was something there with the words of dying. I didn't spend too much time because my focus wasn't on that, but the words for dying was like one was like an instant and the other was like a process, like it's going to begin. You're going to begin to die. There's something there with that wordplay, with the exchange with Eve and Satan, the serpent there, at the moment. Um, but we know that they started to die at that moment, and all of a sudden they were, all of a sudden they were embarrassed. Uh, which I, I tried to think about that more, and I I can't even put myself in that place uh, to do that. But you know. God created everything, and he said it was good. I was afraid to go into this too much because I thought there may be accusations placed, but maybe this will be the place to do it. God had created everything, and he said it was good. He created all the animals, but he also created Adam and Eve, and he created them naked, right? Mm-hmm. I mean, that's the, that's the implication. Mm-hmm. And they walked with God in the evening with no clothes on, right? They Because God said all of this is good. It's all good. And then... Right after, right after doing that selfish thing and sin enters the world, all of a sudden, kind of what they said was, this isn't good. What's happening here isn't good. And plus, they were they were married, right? They were together. They were, they were one, the Bible had said. And there was shame amongst the two of them, and it was in how they were created. We need to cover this. This needs to be covered. Now, I know there's implications, too, of covering of sin uh, because God ends up killing something to cover them and we have that picture too Uh, but there was just again this view all of a sudden of all this good creation something's wrong with this creation something's wrong with you and something's wrong with me and we need to we need to cover ourselves we need to be separated and then when god comes we need to we need to hide (laughs) we need to hide and get it and get away from him and so you see what this selfishness does what this sinful what this sinfulness does is it consumes them with shame and it's shame in what their creator had given them I was afraid to go into that too much because I thought people might say, well, Pastor Tim's advocating that we stop wearing clothes. <laughs> no, <laughs> it's not necessarily that's not what I was getting at here. Uh, but that that's the scenario that is happening here. Before that, there was no need for clothes, and now there was, and it was that this isn't this isn't right. Something is something is wrong here. Um, and so now they're consumed with this with this shame. Yeah, and you see what sin does. Sin doesn't simply isolate us from from God; it isolates us from one another. So yeah, the shame right. the shame comes between them as man and woman, and and uh, but it also comes between them and God, and that's what sin does: it isolates us and wrecks all relationships, whether they're on a horizontal axis or the vertical axis our vertical relationship with God or our horizontal relationships with other people. Sin has consequences and that the shame is, is something that, that flows from uh, either sin that has either sin that we have done or sin that others have done to us. And, and here we see um, the, the great ramifications, how sin just breaks apart and disintegrates all relationships, mm-hmm. but that's restored. In yeah. Christ. Yeah, and it becomes easy to see, I think, when we when we look at the story of Adam and Eve here and the sin in Genesis three, it is easy to place ourselves there because when we really start to think about it at all, we see how we fall for this still today. Right? Satan still deceives us. He's the great deceiver. He still tells us that God does not want good for us, mm-hmm. that God is hiding things from us. 
look at him. God is giving him all this stuff, but not you. What's wrong with you? Mm. Right? And so we still daily uh, fall into this same trap. And we all understand, I think, especially when I say all Christians, people who are children of God, we know the feeling of the shame and the guilt that comes with that because we know that it's we know that it's wrong. We we know that we should trust fully in God and his provisional care. Right? And we don't just lay there and wait for him to feed us, but we we know that he's allowed us to work, he's allowed us to do all these different things and we we want to trust in him fully, but I think all of us could agree that there's just something at times that just holds us back. It's that selfishness, that worry, you know, like like uh, I I would imagine a lot of people wonder this is I'm not I'm not afraid to die because I believe I will get to spend eternity in glory with God but I am afraid of how I'm going to die mm-hmm. that that is fearful and God doesn't promise me that that will be easy and so then there's this fear to where I can even allow the selfishness of that fear to creep in where I'm trying at all costs at all times to avoid pain right to avoid suffering and when I start to experience any sort of pain or suffering or trouble, I start to question God's goodness. Why do you not care about me? Why do you not love me? Right? And that's it, this cycle that can keep happening. And I'm sure it happens in a lot of different avenues. Maybe you guys could think of other ones. Um, but in thinking about that, uh, I think it's fair then. How do we how do we get out of the cycle? How do we remove ourselves from the cycle? And what was help, what's helpful in Chad Bird's book and others that I've looked is you can't just tell yourself, get out of the cycle. We can't do that. You could try to do that and you might succeed for like a day or something. Mm-hmm. You're going to fall back into the into the cycle cuz we just don't have that power in us to overcome selfishness. It's just not there. We don't have the power in us to even stop questioning God's goodness and generosity. And so and thinking about this sermon series where we do eventually want to get to um, us being generous. If God has been so generous to us, which we're going to see, then we are called to be generous. And how does God call us to be generous? Well, there's some different ways, but one of those ways is giving of our time, our money, and this to the to the church, to church family. Um, but But I can't just get up there and tell everybody you need to give. Because then they're not giving out of the right heart or the right motives. All of a sudden, the people who do start to give is out of law and guilt and shame, maybe. And that's not good. Uh, so how do we do it? Right? If, it, if I can't, if we can't just say do it, then what is the, what is the answer? Which uh, a good storyteller would have said, to be continued, come next week. But I wasn't allowed to do that. You're not allowed to do that. <laughs> you weren't allowed to? No, I don't think scripturally I'm allowed to do that. Oh, to, to say, say to be continued. Oh, okay. And just leave everybody hanging. <clears throat> oh, yeah, you have to give a little gospel. Could have just There's gone. Be gospel. Could have just gone another thirty minutes. <laughs> I was. Really, you know what? You guys, really don't hot. come back next week. I'm going to give you thirty <laughs> yeah, minutes right was, now. Uh, and it was we'll, hot in there. I was no, really hot next week. But, yeah. Yes. Were you guys hot? I was big time. It was so hot. I thought up your there. preaching was hot. <laughs> was wow. On fire. I was hot. I was, I was, it was hot. Yeah, I was Sunday angry. night too. It was yes. Really hot, yeah. I no, I mean, what you're talking about breaking that cycle, Tim, I think, I mean, that for some reason, when we're talking about the selfishness that we have, I think that selfishness even comes in the midst of our, like of being confronted with our own sin. Oftentimes our response 
to somebody calling us out, whether it's our spouse or a faithful brother or sister in Christ, are we want to continue to respond with selfishness. We might give excuse of thinking like, well, why are they able to sin, but I'm not able to sin right now? Or why is it okay for me to think like this or to be frustrated about this? And that, that's still just selfishness of telling yourself that you deserve mm-hmm. to be angry, right? That's, that's the question that, that God asked uh, Jonah. Do you do well to be angry because of the plant? You think you really deserve that plant? He was being selfish yeah. in that. Um, and the only thing that can break that cycle in a person's life and heart of the selfishness that's going on is the Holy Spirit showing you and 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 giving you the humility that you need to actually admit and see. I mean, the only thing that can break that cycle is a miracle happening in that person's heart and life. Mm-hmm. Um that's what yeah, they well, need. That's what we all need. In yep. his, I didn't read this quote yesterday, but in his book, Bird says, "When we when we just tell people to do better, he said this lie about God reimagines our Father into our boss. Every day is not Christmas, which he talks about in his book before that every day is Christmas, but another Monday morning in the sweatshop of this world where you have to earn your way, pull yourself up by your bootstraps, and always be looking out for number one. Hmm. That's what we start to turn the Christian life even into." Or the life that leads to salvation just becomes all about me. Do better. Okay, I'll give more. And we see pastors uh, do that, don't we? Mm-hmm. If you'll just give, give more, do this, give more of this, and then God will be happy, and then you will have favor, and, and all these things. And it's just it's just that grand old lie keep that keeps coming up, that the cycle of selfishness, the, the cycle of guilt and shame will never be broken by us just doing more. Instead, what we read in Romans 5, which we read together uh, during the sermon, is that uh, God in his generosity brought forth his His son and gave us his son, who is the better Adam. Uh, while Adam fell and sinned, Jesus came, wrapped in flesh, facing all temptation, facing Satan in the wilderness, but never fell, right? Never you don't see any ounce of selfishness in him at all. He, he was perfect in that. And now God has provided for us, the selfish ones, again, in his great generosity, Christ's perfection, right? Uh, Christ of breaking the cycle. Jesus broke the cycle, and he hands that to us as a free gift and grace. And so what, what's argued in that book of Bird and what I, would, what I would argue as well is that is what then changes people's hearts and their attitudes is to help them to see that God and his generosity has broken this cycle for you. Yeah. Now you can go live in freedom. Now you actually can use gifts and talents for the Lord. You you can give, but it comes from an understanding of, I have been adopted into the family of God, and God is the owner of all the cattle on a thousand hills and the hills. In fact, this is where our faith needs to be, where I, where I want it to be. And again, we, we struggle with this, but... I believe that if God wanted me to be rich, I would be rich. If God wanted me to have fame and fortune and easygoing, that will happen. But if not, then God's plan is the other way. But in all of that, and this is where kind of got the crux of the message, I can't question God's generosity because God is always working things together for my good. And that's where it can get difficult. And so we try I tried to talk about a couple difficult things in the sermon a little bit. You know, and I did one with kids. I didn't have any of this wrote down. The Scott, you'll be surprised. I I just winged this part. Uh so I don't have it here. Not surprised at all. You're not? Oh. No. 
That's your style. Yeah, that's my style. That's why we were on fire. Fire. I was on fire. I was sweating. <laughs> <laughs> uh, you know, but with kids, and, and it's funny because you say something like that and everybody gets a laugh out of it. Yeah, because they've all been through that. They've dealt with that with their kids. It's like this common thing, you know. <laughs> but then you bring it down home, and it's like, but some. And this is the example I used in the message was, some of you wish you could have a kid, and you don't. You can't. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And you're sitting there thinking, why not? And what you're asking is, God, why are you not generous to us? And it's okay to still pray for a child. It's, but I can't sit here and tell you that that will happen. And now, if you grow old together with your husband or with your wife, and you guys die childless. Is the answer then, God just wasn't generous to us? The answer that we see in Scripture is no. The answer actually is God continued to be very generous to you, gave you Christ, saved you, and he worked everything together for your good. Do I have the answer to why that happened? I don't. I can't can't give you an answer to that. But... Somehow, some way, it is working for your good. And this is where a lot of people get hung up because they, they say, so, Pastor, you're telling me that the reason I lost my dad when I was six, God was working that for my good. So the Bible says, I don't, I, don't, I don't know. It doesn't make sense, does it? You know, I mean, that would be my response. I don't get it either. I don't understand. But as soon as I start to question God's goodness and his generosity, I'm falling right back into the trap. Mm-hmm. <laughs> That's what Satan wants me to do. Yeah. I, and I think, too, everybody has probably experienced something like this where you are enduring something or going through something, and it's not until much later that you actually can see, yeah, God was being generous because I didn't know that this was going to come up in my life. I didn't know that this was going to happen to me at this time. And so we tend to look back. You know, hindsight is twenty twenty. We tend to look back mm-hmm. and are better able to appreciate the generosity of God in those moments. And I just wonder how many more times that we actually aren't able to see those things where we, if we could, you know, if we had the vision of God to see everything at all times, where we would be able to say even more. It's like it's actually God was being very generous to keep something from me yeah. that I was asking for, or God was being very generous by putting me through something that I kept asking to be taken out of. Mm-hmm. And um, that's where we have to, I think it's Peter that says, continue to entrust ourselves to him who judges justly. Mm-hmm. Um, to know that we have a good father, he is good to us. And at times it takes faith to believe that. Yeah. Our selfishness shows through so great in this, the thought that we have achieved stuff ourselves, that we can gain stuff ourselves. And, we are afraid to put our whole life and plan in the hands of anybody, including God. We would rather have it in our own. Uh, but the reality of Scripture is there's no better place to be than in the hands of God. Mm. And as Christians, that's something we teach, that's something we preach, that's something we hold on to. And though we struggle with that, and all of us do, we all struggle with that. Our, our selfishness rears its ugly head all the time because we think we know better. Our 401k should be bigger. Our savings account should be bigger. Our kids should listen better. You know, the, whatever. We can go on and on and on about it. That is that. That is that selfishness coming up. And we need to repent of our selfishness, and we need to fall before our Father, who, again, by his great grace, offers forgiveness day in and day out. His gospel is there. The gospel is there for us every day, sufficient, renewed. Um, and we rest in that. And that's God being generous to us. And we cannot forget that. And so, as I said in the message, I, I hope 
and, and my prayer has been that we will see the generosity of God because I think when we begin to grasp the generosity of God in our lives every day, and especially through the gospel and through Christ, which we'll talk about this coming Sunday, uh, we then in turn will be generous people to church family, to regular family members, to friends, to neighbors, because we know my father owns everything anyway, so I'm, I'm happy to give you this. Because if he wants me to have it back, I'll have it back, right? I'm happy to do this for you because he will provide for me. Um, and we have that faith and trust because we know we have a father who loves us, who's kind to us and generous to us, and we don't deny that. So, all right, this week we'll be looking at Christ, God's generous gift of his son Christ in more more detail. I'm sure we'll look at more of Genesis chapter 3, looking at uh, the curse and what is going to happen and then how God has done that through through Jesus. And so hopefully you'll be here to be reminded of that sweet truth. Uh, that we all <clears throat> that we all hold on to. So we look forward to seeing you uh, this coming Sunday. But until then, we, we really hope that you have a great week. God bless.